welcome to mini episode 50 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to say a massive happy birthday to the lovely Kyra May. Happy birthday to you. And as a little general announcement, we will not be doing birthday shout outs for a little while yet because we're full up. You all just have too many birthdays. Stop it. Happy birthday to you all anyway. We've got some lovely listener stories for you today. Are you ready? I'm never ready for these. I'm still getting over last week's stories. Story number one comes from Maria. I've experienced a few different unexplainable moments in my life. My first ever memory being around eight or nine years old, my older sister and I shared a bedroom. There was one night I remember waking up from my sleep and I sat up and was about to roll over. And as I did before I closed my eyes, I caught a glance of a huge black mass at the end of my sister's bed. I panicked and pulled my duvet over my head. After about ten minutes I found the courage to come back up for air and I looked over and it was gone. It never came back. And then when I moved into a new house with my family at around sixteen, the first few days just didn't feel right. Every room felt fine besides mine which was on the bottom floor. I experienced such weird things. I'd come home from college and my wardrobe would be torn open and my clothes sprawled over my bedroom. No one would have been at home all day. I'd wake up during the night to my lamp being switched on and off. My final straw was when I had a bath upstairs one afternoon. There was only me and my mum home. I could hear her outside in the garden mowing the lawn. As I was laid in the bath, relaxing, I sat up to reach for the shampoo and I see my colouring pencils being pushed under the door one by one. I was still able to hear my mum outside too. I freaked out and it took me about 10 or 20 minutes to leave the bathroom, but when I did, I would have to cross my brother's room. As I did, the toys in his room flew off his bed. I ran downstairs to my mum and told her about it, and she told me it was nonsense and to ignore it. And ever since then, I've still had strange things happen around me, but I've just learned to live with it now. Maria, I have to say that you have the most terrifying yet most unusual haunting I've ever heard of. To have colouring pencils pushed under the door one by one is so unlike anything we've heard before. And if you sort of take those elements on their own, it's not scary but it's so sinister having something pushed under the door one by one. It's really attention seeking as well though, yeah. isn't it? Because it's really centered around Maria. It's her colour and pencils while she's in the bath being pushed under the door. It's her clothes that's being thrown around. Like that is some serious attention seeking behaviour. Yeah. If that was a child, you'd say stop acting out. I'm actually a little bit fixated on the colouring pencils though, because in my head, in my crazy imagination, that is like a really sinister action to have like colouring pencils being slowly pushed under the door when you know there's no one else in the house i don't like it but i was quite uplifted by the first story which is proof that if you hide under the duvet you're okay because the black mass disappeared eventually so i'll remember that for future scarings it's a known scientific fact that if you have the duvet around you bad guys ghosts demons whatever they can't get you it's like a force field And for that reason, if we ever go on a paranormal hunt, I will be taking the duvet with me. Very good idea. Mm. Because I'll I'll just constantly be safe then, won't I? Yeah, and any time you get freaked out, you can just, like a turtle, just retreat inside the duvet. So if anybody comes along, they'll be like, whoa, where's Dan under the duvet? Yep. 
oh that pile on the floor that's, that's Dan on the duvet he's frightened <laughs> <laughs> but also you've got to give credit to Maria because she's got to the point where she can she can handle this now because I, I would have you would have lost me again at the light being turned off in the middle of the night I sleep bad enough as it is without the light going on and off I would I would do rageful things I think and our second story today comes from Ben for as long as I can remember I've been aware of something being there I've always felt a sensation of being watched but I'm sure everyone feels like that sometimes my first experience was when I was around eight I'd woken up in the middle of the night and noticed that my bedroom door was wide open, which was unusual, as I always made sure it was closed. My bedroom was fairly small, so I was close to the door. As I picked up my bottle of juice which was by my bed, I saw a black figure seem to appear in my doorway like the silhouette of a man with no features. It was darker than dark, darker than the dark corridor even. I still felt like it was staring at me even though it had no face. I was too scared to move or scream so I just stared back until I got the courage to scream for my parents as I jumped under my quilt. They ran to my room and asked me what was wrong and I explained what happened. And in an attempt to calm me they told me it was in my imagination. After this night I started seeing him more often. In the room as I walked by, out of the corner of my eye. One day my mam said leave my son alone you aren't welcome here. And as silly as it seemed at the time, it worked. And I haven't seen much of him since. Throughout the years, I've seen countless shadow figures. Some are just small dashes of black like children running around. Another one of the more prominent spirits was a young girl. I was around 10 when I first saw her. One night I was watching a film with my parents and went to get a drink. I decided to get ice for my drink from the freezer in the garage. When I opened the garage door, I was horrified to find the body of a girl covered in blood. Of course, I screamed and ran to the corridor outside the living room, where I fell to my knees and into a state of shock, to the point where I couldn't even talk to tell my parents what I had seen. When I finally managed to, my dad rushed to look, and surprise, he found nothing. My dad thought it was all made up, and he just seemed to get angry. The same routine started where I would see this girl in different rooms, but she was no longer bloody. It's not like she stuck around for long at one time, just for a second. I described her to my mam one day. She was young and had dark brown long plaited hair and a cream nightgown. Sounds very stereotypical, but that's what I saw. I didn't bother telling my dad because he obviously didn't believe me. And by the way, my mam talked to me about it. I don't think she did either. Until one night, my dad told my mam that he saw a girl in my room sitting on a box. She had long, dark, brown, plaited hair and wore a cream nightgown. My mam told me the next morning. I told him that that was what I saw, but he still seemed sceptical. Things began to become a bit more malicious after that. One day I was in the kitchen with my dad far away from the dishes and all of a sudden a glass that was on the bench burst into smithereens. It didn't move, it didn't fall, it didn't get hit. It just burst. My dad's explanation was that it was something to do with air pressure. My mam also had an experience where a candle holder slid off the mantle in the living room. I got hit on the shoulder by my TV remote from my bedroom while talking to my mam at the opposite end of the corridor to my bedroom when no one else was home. As I got older, the girl stopped showing up so much. But sure enough, something else came in her place. 
I don't know why so many things happen here, but they do. My next set of experiences was what we think was my mum's dad who passed away when she was 18. My grandmother and her partner were going on holiday, so gave some of their valuables to my mum. One item was my grandmother's old purse, which contained her late husband's gold chains. I didn't know that she had these at the time. My mum kept them on her bedside table. And one day as I was walking past her bedroom, I saw a man lying on her bed. But at this point it was a common occurrence for me to see things, so I didn't really think much of it. Every time I passed I saw him lying in the same place on my mum's side of the bed. One day I was going to get something from my parents' room and I walked into the room and there was no one there. But as I went to pick up what I was there for, I started to get pushed in the direction of the door. I left and every time I went back in after this I felt extremely threatened and felt the urge to leave instantly. One of my mum's friends is a practising psychic and one day we were at her cafe and I told her about this man in my parents' room. Instantly she asked my mum, are you keeping something in your room, something that belonged to someone who isn't here anymore? My mum remembered her dad's old chains and her friend nodded as if it added up now. And she told my mum she had to go to her room and explain to what was apparently her dad that I wasn't there to take the chains and who I was as I'd never met him. And sure enough, after that, it wasn't an issue anymore. Now I'm 18 and the activity has died down to an extent. More recently, I've been experiencing what I describe as a mimicking of voices. Others in my house have experienced it too. Every now and then, small things happen, like the feeling of being pushed. But nothing compared to what it used to be. And oddly enough, I kind of miss it. I feel like Ben is very close to the curtain. To the other side. Yeah, because he sees, he seems to have seen a lot of things going on. I've got a couple of points to make, talking points. Firstly, I love a strong mama telling the uh, spirits to get lost and them listening. <laughs> so fair play to that. And just his description of it just being darker than dark, just uh, that concept to me is just so scary. I did a podcast recently with Haunted AF. Please go and check them out. And it's Haunted AF with no space in between the (laughs) AF and the Haunted. And one of the hosts, Rebecca, was telling me about how she has seen shadow people multiple times. And she also described it as being like blacker than black, but staticky. And it really freaked me out. And that is not the first time we've had that description. It's really not. And I think it is just such a hard thing to comprehend. And it just makes it even scarier because it's something you're not used to and i think you know we all have concepts and ideas of what colors are but black is just the absence of light isn't it but then when it's darker than that that. yeah that's really scary also i can't really i can't really understand what it must have felt like to go into your garage to get some ice and then see the body of a dead girl lying on the floor (laughs) that must have been absolutely terrifying Interestingly, I remember another story that we have received about a group of siblings who found something similar. And I actually thought when I was reading Ben's story, I was like, oh no, we've read this story before. But we haven't because the group of siblings got a baseball bat and they were like ready to take (laughs) on whatever it was. But as if you're a child, a little in, and you see a dead girl in the garage... 
that must be so scary. And then suddenly everyone's like, oh, it was just your imagination. Mm. But child or no child, finding a dead body in your garage is not really what you're expecting, is it? No, especially when you're just going to get some ice yeah. for a drink. <laughs> so, and if it's not someone you recognise as well, I mean, it's it's obviously it's terrible if you're someone you recognise, but if it's not someone you're, someone you recognise either, you're just, your brain's going about 250 million places at once, isn't it? It's almost like, and I think I said this about those siblings, but it's almost like they're being asked to solve something. Like you see the dead girl where she died and then she reappears later in a different form. And it's almost like they're trying to, communicate something to you do you know what i mean again like maria's story very attention seeking mm. but there must be a motivation behind that because not every spirit is an attention seeker just for the sake of being an attention seeker right true so i don't know very strange and i i also like the final story as well where it was talking about the the chains of the grandfather and the 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 woman coming in and saying oh have you got something in here from someone that's no longer with us is that and then it just being connected to those chains. I just chains. I just think it's amazing. And I would be the same if I died. I would haunt my gold chains too. <laughs> no, your gold rings. That's what you'd haunt. <laughs> my gold rings and my gold chains. <laughs> and our third story today comes from Amar. I have a second flat in the city that I live in, as my sister and her husband used to live there before they moved abroad. To clean and maintain the flat, I go on the weekends. The flat is my friend and I's weekend sleepover place. And usually the activity that happens isn't malicious, but it's weird. Once when I had my friends over, we all had fun, drank and everyone was trying to sleep. Suddenly my friend started calling my name and started yelling that she could hear someone walking in the master bedroom where she was sleeping. Her boyfriend and I checked the room and stayed there for the next 20 minutes with her. Later in the night, once again, she started yelling that someone was walking around the room. And my friend, her boyfriend and I ended up sleeping in the same room and nothing happened. Weird things happen in the flat. Whenever I lock it, I close all the bathroom doors shut. And whenever I come back the next weekend, all the doors are open. And sometimes the floors are wet when no one has entered the flat in weeks. Another time, I had two friends over and we had gone to bed for the night. In the morning, my friend started to ask whether I had had a friend stay over because they had heard me talking in the hallway with a lady. As far as I remembered, I had no one over and I was sleeping peacefully in my bedroom. They were completely adamant that it was me talking because they could clearly hear my voice and another female voice talking with me, but they couldn't make out what the discussion was. They first thought it was my aunt because she lives on the fifth floor and I lived on the third floor. Even after telling them a hundred times that I had been sleeping, they were still pretty fixated that it was me in the hallway talking to a lady. And I have no history of sleep paralysis or sleepwalking. It was pretty weird. My next story won't be too long. It isn't a haunted story as such, but it's really weird and nerve-tingling. My friends and I had gone to a fort, which didn't have any history of any hauntings or wild animal attacks. It was a famous camping destination. And we were camping. We had around five or six tents around us. At night, when we got bored, we decided that a night trek would be fun. So we packed up and left. After walking for an hour or so, we got to a place that no one had been before. We had no cell phone reception, just our torches. We tried going back, remembering where we had come from. But still, we would end up somewhere unknown in the middle of the dense, dry jungle. 
We tried shouting, calling random names, flashing our lights, but we had no response from anyone. Then, after deciding just to start walking again, we heard rumbling and footsteps from behind us like someone was running at us. We waited until it stopped, and it came to a halt a few feet away from us. We thought someone had heard our calls and had come to get us, so we started walking towards it. But we couldn't find anybody. And we were just about to stop walking when my friend pointed out that we were connected to the pathway leading to the campsite. I swear we ran towards the campsite at the speed of light. Looking back, I specifically remember hearing human footsteps and the rustling of leaves like someone had ran towards us and stopped a few feet away. But we walked in that direction and we found no one. But we did find the pathway for the campsite. I still don't know who helped us, if it was a person or some ghostly spirit, or maybe even the spirit of Mother Nature herself. Amar gets massive bravery points from me. Walking in the jungle at night time terrifies me. Running towards footsteps instead of away from them terrifies me. <laughs> but you would assume if you were lost in the jungle and you had been calling for help that you, if you heard human footsteps, you'd think, brilliant, somebody's after finding us. I don't think in a million years you'd be thinking, oh, that might be a ghost. The average person would think that. I, on the other hand, would not. I would be thinking... Bigfoot's finally come to shack up with me. <laughs> so I better run. The the thing that really got me about the jungle story was that idea of just walking and coming back to the same spot, no matter what direction they went, which is a, a common tale for people that get lost in forests, forests and jungles, but it doesn't make it any less eerie, does it? No, it definitely doesn't. Like there's... Often, you know, people explore the suicide forests in Japan, for example. And often when rangers go in, they literally tie rope like a like a Hansel and Gretel, like crumb pathway. What do they call it? Like a trail. So crumb they... pathway is the official name. I think you'll find oh, Christ, that doesn't make any sense. But you know what I mean? So in order for them to find to find their way out, which is really eerie. Yeah, very, very eerie. The flat definitely sounds haunted as well. I apologise for saying that and giving my verdict, but I've got no other explanation for it because you've got footsteps, which is obviously a very common haunting and very creepy. And the fact that it was in the room that the friend was in makes it worse, I think. And then you've got a conversation between yourself and a lady in a hallway when you are asleep. Or have been known in the past for talking in my sleep. It is one thing that I do quite a lot when I do get to sleep. But as far as I'm aware, there's never been a report of someone answering me back. <laughs> it's one thing talking in your sleep. Ooh. But another voice and another conversation, that's a lot. Yep. And in a different location as well. Like, you know, you know, unless you, unless this is the one and only time they've sleptwalked. But if you haven't got a history of that, there's no reason why you shouldn't be where you think you are. And then you're talking in another space to someone else when actually you're asleep. That is ghostly. And our fourth story today comes from June. In the late 1980s, my parents were a young couple who had just purchased their first farm in rural Indiana. They had a new Great Dane puppy who was a tornado of dopey and adorable chaos, with a penchant for destroying anything it could sink its teeth into. 
Sometimes when my parents would come home, the dog was inexplicably shut and locked in a room where it would have been impossible for the puppy to trap itself. Never mind lock the door. The floral 80s touch lamps furnishing the house would turn off and on by themselves, as would the TV. My mom said she and dad had gotten into a spat one night and my dad walked outside to cool off. She retreated to the bedroom and was watching the bird feeder outside of the window. My mom said she heard dad walking up the stairs a few minutes later and felt him walking on the thick 80s carpet in their bedroom, approaching her where she stood looking out the window. Too stubborn to face him after an argument, she said she then could see my dad walk across the yard out the window and realised that he isn't the person she felt standing behind her. And when she turned around, she was alone. One night when my parents were in town, which was about 25 minutes away, the aforementioned destructive puppy had pulled a photo album off a bookshelf and tore the entire thing to shreds. Except for the pictures of the house. Every single photo of the house had somehow been taken from the dog. There were teeth marks visible on the photos, so someone had intervened after the massacre had begun. And they were placed in a neat stack on top of the tall kitchen counter out of harm's way. These were the only photos to survive the puppy massacre, and only my parents, who were both away together, had access to the house. Because barn burglary is common in rural areas, they always locked the doors and shut the windows before leaving. So who saved the photos? And why? I made my triumphant arrival at the dawn of the 90s. A few months after I was born, my two-year-old sister Stacy would ask my folks about the green man. She would bring up the green man several times, insistent that she had seen him in our room. My parents assumed she was talking about a children's show, Sesame Street was really popular back then, with Kermit and Oscar the Grouch both being green men. Stacy would ask who he was, why he was visiting baby June, if he wanted to play with her, and the usual creepy little kid nightmare fuel. One night, my mom was carrying formula bottles in a nursery bag up the stairs from the kitchen to my sister and I's bedroom when she slipped and fell. The bottles in the bag went flying. After gathering herself, She wrote off the bottles that had tumbled down the stairs and limped to bed for the night. When she woke up in the morning, all of the bottles and the nursery bag were sitting neatly in a line below my crib upstairs. My dad wasn't up yet and did not move the bottles and Stacy did not have stair access yet. So who brought me up my baby bottles? And now, for the pinnacle of this particular tale, Stacy had woken up late one night with a tooth pain and my mom lay down in bed with her to comfort her back to sleep. After a while, my mom also dozed off. She woke up after a few hours, rubbed her eyes, and froze. Standing over my crib across the room was a semi-transparent man, with a full-face beard smiling warmly down at my little sleeping baby face. He was wearing a flannel shirt and a cap, jeans, and he glowed green with a full-body aura. My mom said that she could feel kindness and comfort and love rolling off him as he watched over me sleeping, and she somehow understood that there was no ill will. To this day, I am like, what are you talking about? You felt waves of love. He did not notice that she was awake, or at least he didn't show it if he did. She said she eventually fell back asleep and she never saw him again. My toddler sister, though, 
she confirmed that he and I were still tight for a while after that. My sister being two at the time remembers none of this, and I for sure don't remember having late night sleepy baby bonding time with a full body apparition. After this, my mom did some digging on the house. She was able to find a picture of two previous owners, and wouldn't you know it, the guy was a dead ringer for a green man. Despite the obvious what the fuckness, he was just a dead guy with a soft spot for adorable babies, chilling in the house that he loved. We moved out less than a year later into a 200 year old farmhouse with even more stories. I mean, that is essentially what he was doing, just looking after his house, but then actually like the babies. Doesn't seem like he had quite the same tolerance and admiration for the dog, however, <laughs> locking him away in the room. <laughs> he was probably thinking, that dog is wrecking my house and it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I can't handle all the descriptions of the sister talking about the green man and why he's, why is he playing with June, not me. Uh, no. Obviously, it turns out she was onto something because the mum saw the green man, but Man, kids. Kids are just... They just say some creepy stuff sometimes, don't they? I've got to stop saying kids are creepy because it's really unfair because I, I, they're lovely children, I'm sure. But they do say some creepy things. And I personally love that the fact that the mum woke up, saw the green man and went back to sleep again. Yeah, fair play to her. <laughs> do I go and see if my child is okay? No. No, I don't do that. I don't bother. No, never mind. Is that the adult equivalent of pulling the duvet over your head, potentially just going back to sleep? Definitely. I mean, I am an adult and I'd definitely pull the duvet over my head, but yeah. I like that he's also very orderly in that he took the, he saved the photos of the house from being destroyed and then put them in a neat pile. And then when he helped the mum with all the baby stuff, it was all neatly lined up. It's very tidy ghost. When I think about these stories, especially when things move, so the bottles moving from the bottom of the stairs to the to under the baby's crib, I often wonder, and this is really stupid and completely unnecessary, do they apparate to that place or do they like float up the stairs one by one? Uh, they float up the stairs one by one. Okay, I'm glad we... I don't feel like... Obviously, there's... Spirits are on one plane we're on another i don't feel like they can change the consistency of stuff on our plane so they'd have to actually change the physical form of the bodies to be able to get them to operate unless they took them into the ghost world and then pop oh i don't know you've confused me and our final story today comes from amy until i was 14 i lived in a terraced house in a south wales village it was beautifully kept thanks to my mother and was home to me my mum, and my dad and my two older brothers plus a various sequence of budgies and fish and one cat called Toulouse, who left me to live with the goth lady up the road. It was a good-sized house, with plenty of rooms. I was, and always had been, a quiet, introverted child, who preferred to stay at home and play by myself than go outside and play with other children. I was happy left alone without any need for others. With this being the same, apart from a period when I was two or three where I was the devil incarnate and broke everything in sight, I was an anxious child, and I'm an anxious adult. Even as a child I would overthink and panic, and was empathetic and susceptible to others' feelings and energies, and I think because of this, I had this experience. It wasn't because I made it up, because of my own difficulties, but because something wanted to take care of me. 
His name was Doug. I'd called him this always. He never spoke, was a tall, severe-looking man with a Victorian moustache but warm eyes. Sometimes I would see him clearly, as though I would a normal person. Sometimes I would only feel him a hand on my shoulder or someone sat next to me. But he never spoke and never told me his name. I just looked at him one day and decided that his name was Doug. I was barely old enough to read and made this conclusion. I never really talked about him. He had always been around me in the house, and being a child I didn't consider questioning this or mentioning it to anyone else. I don't believe that anyone else saw Doug like I did, although he would often stand in a particular corner of the living room. When my dad sat in his chair there, or whenever anyone would be there, they would always complain of that corner being freezing cold. My mum often complained of feeling like she was being watched when she was in the house alone, and my brother, the middle child, would apparently talk about the man when he was a child. But when I asked him later in life, he saw him only a handful of times, to the same description as I did. But then again, he was an extroverted child, and he was always outside playing with friends. Maybe he didn't need a companion. Doug would sit on the middle of the floor with me and watch while I played with dolls. My mother always thought I was chatting to the dolls, making stories, but most of the time I was talking to him. I never felt afraid of him. He gave me no reason to. And he always had been around. One night when I was barely four, I remember having a nightmare that my bed was full of snakes. I woke up and in the pitch dark of the early hours of the morning, he was stood in my doorway watching. It wasn't creepy. I felt better being able to go back asleep without crying out for my mum because I felt like he was looking after me. He was often around me in the house. I knew nothing about him, but I called him Doug and he was my friend. I remember one time when I was in my demon toddler phase. I was being a pain in the arse so got sent to bed in the afternoon as a punishment. I was sobbing and feeling sorry for myself. But being the pedantic little brat that I was, even though I was sent to bed and left in my room, there was nothing stopping me playing in the room but I just confined myself to bed like some dramatic heroine. During this, Doug came in, reached onto the top of my wardrobe opposite the bed and got my baby doll down for me, which I cuddled in my anguish until I fell asleep. My parents were puzzled, as they knew they'd put it up there because I'd been naughty and I was only knee-high to a grasshopper, so couldn't have gotten it myself or climbed on something as I was clumsy. But when questioned, I simply replied it was Doug which they didn't believe and just assumed I'd taken advantage of the doll falling. The only time that Doug ever showed malice, it wasn't to me. My dad has always been a loving father, but when I was young, he worked long hours leaving at 6am and coming home at 7pm, so often I only saw him at the weekend, as I was asleep most weekdays when he came home. My parents were big DIYers, and one weekend my dad was painting the staircase wall, I was being a nuisance, no doubt, zooming up and down the stairs like a goblin on crack while he was trying to stand on them and paint the precarious parts. So much that he bollocked me and I resigned myself to sitting on the attic staircase, feeling royally sorry for myself and watching him work from beneath my Shetland pony fringe through the wrought iron screen that divided the attic stairs with the main one. During this, Doug walked up the stairs past my dad, who was stood on them painting, and it was the first time he'd ever experienced the physical presence of Doug. You could see him reel with shock, knowing that I was on the other side of the stairs and Mum was in the kitchen baking. Before he had time to recover, I saw Doug stand behind my dad and push him down the staircase from the top step that he was stood on. My dad fell down the stairs. 
It wasn't because he lost the balance. He was a big guy who was sure-footed and was used to working in the way that he did due to his job. He knew that he had been pushed by a force, and still to this day he remembers the feeling clearly. The feeling of a solid person who pushed him down the stairs. I don't think that Doug simply wanted to hurt him. As I said, when I was this age, my dad wasn't around very much. And I think in his working absence, Doug took on a fatherly role to me. Seeing my dad shout at me perhaps angered him as he didn't want anyone upsetting me. And I believe that this is why he pushed him. Life continued with Doug around me, just sitting with me while I read or painted. A quiet, consistent presence who was my silent companion. In this time, my parents ripped out and renovated the kitchen themselves. They stripped plasterboard from the walls until they reached the original stone walls. Jammed in the stone crevices were papers and photographs. Early 20th century photographs of people and children shot by a professional photographer of the time, each signed with Philip's photography underneath. As well as these was a newspaper article ripped from a paper about Mr. Douglas Phillips and his wife who opened a photographer's shop, a shop whose address was the very house that we lived in. At the bottom of the article was a photo, yellow and grainy with age, but showed a man and a woman stood outside the house, a tall man with a moustache, and it was Doug. Doug was Douglas Phillips, a photographer who had worked and lived in the house. We had always known that the house used to be a shop of some kind as there were other houses on the street had a normal front window but ours had a long wide window cavity shaped like a shop window that my parents double glazed. It was the first time we knew anything more. My parents were weirded out that the previous occupant had been a Douglas and that before they knew any of this I'd started calling my imaginary friend Doug. But to be honest, I think they put it down to me being a tiny weirdo witch or something and they didn't really dwell on it. They bought books and researched the house and found more about the old photographers. Doug and his wife had never had any children and ran the shop until their death. With Mrs. Phillips passing in the local hospital and Doug passed in the house. They found a photo of the shop front, the big window with the camera equipment and Doug sat on a large chair next to it in the corner that is now always freezing. The clearest event was only one time Doug ever spoke to me. I was young, maybe five or six. I'd gone to bed on a school night as normal. Unusually, at around 11 o'clock that night, I woke up and was suddenly wide awake with no explanation. I was alone in the room and I knew my parents were still awake as I could hear the TV in the living room beneath me. For some reason, I just needed to go downstairs. I've no idea why to this day I just remember knowing that I needed to go downstairs. I just had to. I didn't need a wee. I wasn't thirsty. I hadn't had a nightmare. I just needed to go downstairs. I left the room and reached the end of the landing when suddenly Doug came out of my parents' empty bedroom. I felt him lean down and put his hands firmly on my shoulders. He looked tired, like it was a lot of effort for him. And he simply said, Don't in a gruff, firm voice that wasn't quite a reprimand, but wasn't to be defied. I listened without question, I was a child. I'd passed my devil phase and was a quiet, obedient girl and I did what he said. And he followed me back to the bed and sat at the end until I fell asleep. I found out the next morning when I was woken for school by my eldest brother, which was unusual. 
as it was always my mum who had woken me. My mum had been taken to hospital last night. She'd always had a condition, but had recently been given some medication which had an adverse effect. And at around 11pm the night before, she had collapsed and started crying and convulsing in the bathroom before being taken to hospital. Doug knew this. He didn't want me to see it and he didn't want me to get scared and upset. And I believe it took everything he had to tell me not to go downstairs to protect me, even when it took so much from him. When I was 14, we moved to another part of Wales. My parents kept the house and rented it out until a year ago when the tenants moved out and they moved back in part-time to decorate it and sell it. At this time, I was in university in Cardiff, only half an hour away, so would often come and stay there with them as my uni flat had rats and I just low-key hated people. Especially when my parents were in their other home, so I had some peace and quiet to work. I saw Doug again for the first time in a long time. He was still as silent and solid as ever, and would sit by me while I sewed or drew when my parents were away. He said nothing, but I felt he was happy I was back. But he definitely felt sadder this time. My empathetic hackles picked up a sadness and I felt that he was sad that I'd been away and grown up, that I wasn't his little girl anymore. One weekend, my long-term boyfriend came down to stay while I had the house to myself. We ordered pizza and watched TV and went to bed early because he had to get up the next morning to drive home. I don't sleep much nowadays, so I was downstairs in the kitchen eating cereal at around 4am. My boyfriend was in the attic bedroom conked out for his life because he's a very heavy sleeper. I heard him shout and didn't bat an eyelid as he often talks and shouts and moves in his sleep as he's a sleepwalker. And I knew being in the attic, he couldn't walk far or he'd fall down the stairs. So I carried on eating my cereal. And then I heard, Doug, stop. And I ran upstairs, still holding my cereal bowl. I'd never told my boyfriend about Doug. I didn't need another reason for him to think I was weird, but I got to the bedroom and he was still thrashing and saying, go away. Doug wasn't there by that point, but I knew he had been. My boyfriend was sleep-talking, so I asked him what happened, and he told me there was a man trying to pull him out of bed. He's very truthful when he sleeps and will answer all questions, and that's how I know he's never cheated. Then he told me that these chocolate muffins were shit, and I knew he'd gone back to sleep again. I don't think Doug liked me having another man in the house. He didn't remember anything the next morning, nothing unusual, but I knew even if I brought it up, he wouldn't remember. He tried to get in his car, in his pants once, and didn't even remember that's how bad his sleepwalking was. The last time I saw Doug was the day of my final day at uni, before I left to drive to Cardiff for my final exam. I'd packed all my things and didn't know then it would be my last time in the house, but it was, as I moved back home after uni. I was checking to make sure I had everything as I got to the hall to go out the front door, Doug was stood on the stairs facing me. I cheerily said, bye Doug, see you soon, and left. But he'd walked up the stairs before I'd finished, and that was the last time we ever saw each other. My parents finished the renovations and sold the house a few months ago to a man with two young daughters. As an adult, I know Doug was real, as I'd seen him even now, and I know my boyfriend had been tormented by him that night, and my dad still clearly recalls his experience. I think because I was anxious and nervous, he wanted to look after me and be the friend that I didn't have. He wasn't imaginary, as I wouldn't imagine a friend even as a child. I didn't like people, so why would I make one up? He and his wife never had children, I found out, 
Maybe I was the little girl he'd always wanted and so he cared for me as such. I hope he looks after these new little girls the way he did me. That is such a heartwarming story, I think, in many ways. And it is just baffling that that little girl gave the name to the thing she was seeing that was actually someone's name that lived in the house. I don't think if I was that little girl's parents and I found the picture of the man that she was seeing who was also named Doug that used to own the house and had died in the house that I would be as blasé or think she was just a weird kid. I'd be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) My kid's seeing this man. (laughs) Yeah, it's very calm, particularly as the dad got pushed down the stairs. That would be enough for me to go, hmm, maybe Amy is onto something. Maybe. It's just, there's just too much of this story that is correct for it to just be a coincidence. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just feels like there's this man, as Amy described, who just wanted to look after this little girl. So it was proven to be historically accurate by the family. You know, they found the photos of this man named Douglas who lived in the house, who was a photographer. It's incredible. And I wonder if it is true that maybe they didn't have their own children. Maybe they wanted children. Maybe they chose not to have children. It doesn't really matter. But maybe she was the little girl that he wanted to look after. And that's kind of sweet. Yeah. And it was also really sad at the end when he walked up off the stairs, <laughs> up the stairs on his own. Could this be the only horror film that you'd watch and enjoy and think, wow, that's lovely? I feel almost like this could be a horror film for Disney. Because it it's not really like, there's not a lot of terror to it. Is there really, other than Kid being creepy, which, because this story is told by Amy, didn't sound so creepy. But now I think about it, it's actually just another creepy child. <laughs> Isn't it? It's the same thing. And I've just realised that. But it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's lovely. It would make a really nice Disney film. Because you, you'd get that moment, moment of minor threat or minor terror from him protecting her against her dad pushing her dad down the stairs that's what you need in a good disney movie isn't it a little bit of terror but it's nothing really like that's going to scare your children i don't think so disney if you enjoyed this week's episode you can find everything you need to know about us on real life ghost stories podcast.com you can send your own story via email to real life ghost stories podcast at gmail.com you can support us on patreon patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month or two dollars a month you get access to heaps of extra content and on that note we shall see you next week bye